Welcome to Victory Christian Center's audio podcast. We hope this message encourages you, and we look forward to connecting with you on social media or FCCFMD.com. that remains the same from generation after generation. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. Our God never fails. He never changes. And His Word endures forever. The grass withers and the flower fades. But friends, it's the Word of our God that will endure forever. And so I encourage you this morning, if you are struggling, if you are facing impossible situations, hold on to the truth that is found in the Word of God, because it will not fail you. It's never going to go out of style. It is powerful, it is quick and active, and it will speak to any situation that you find yourselves in today. Amen? So we're continuing our Building Block series, and today we're just over halfway through uh, the 16 fundamental truths of the Assemblies of God. These fundamental truths are kind of like puzzle pieces because they fit together to create this fellowship that we call the Assemblies of God. And so we've gone through eight of these fundamental truths, and we're going to test your knowledge this morning. So we have the first one, which is the Scriptures Inspired. I'm not sure if our PowerPoint's going to work today or not. We have the Scriptures Inspired, and then we have the One True God. Number three, we have the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we have the fall of man, but we also have the salvation of man. Amen? Amen. We have the ordinance of the, of the church. We have the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And then we have the initial physical evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so I was going to ask you to fill in the blanks this morning, but I'm going to just recite it with you. Your Bible verse last week, Pastor Debbie gave to you, was found in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. Acts chapter 2 and verse 4 says, All of them were what? They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So in the foyer we have some brochures, we have some little pamphlets that outline those 16 fundamental truths. So as you go through the brochure, you'll find each of those fundamental truths that we've discussed, but you'll also find a scripture that backs them up, and you'll find a little description that goes along with them as well. So I'd encourage you, if you have questions, or you'd like some more information, or maybe you have someone who's asking you questions, you can pick one of these up, and you can hand it to them, and you can go through and, and study on your own. There's um, a few other brochures out there that talk about the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit as well. So you can pick some of those up on your way out today. But today we're going to look at the ninth fundamental truth. The ninth fundamental truth of the Assemblies of God. I had a Wheel of Fortune game we were going to play this morning. But I'm just going to go through. It's quite a long word. It's the word sanctification. 
It's one of those terms that we kind of associate with Christianese, right? I may have heard the term sanctification before. Something that if you've grown up in the church, you're probably, you've probably heard it many times, probably very familiar with the word. But do you understand what it truly means? Or is it something we just say as Christians? If you're new to the faith, it's a term that must be defined. And so by definition, the word sanctification is the action of making or declaring something holy. The action of making or declaring something holy. It's also the action or process of being freed from sin or purified. If you look up that word in Webster's Dictionary, Webster defines sanctification as the state of growing in divine grace as the result of Christian commitment after baptism or conversion. And so for just a moment this morning, I want you to consider a diamond. If you've ever seen a diamond, you know that a diamond has many facets. And it's been said that the facets of that diamond are the windows into the diamond. It is a facet is a flat surface of a gemstone, but it's also the part of that gemstone that refracts light and causes the gem to shine. If you were to read through the position papers for the Assemblies of God, you're going to find what I'm going to refer to today as four facets of sanctification. So we're going to look at each one of those facets today. I'm referring to them as facets because just like the facets of a gemstone or of a diamond are intended to catch the light and enhance the beauty of that stone, sanctification is intended to purify us so that we might reflect the light of Jesus in the world around us. And so the first facet that defines sanctification is an act of separation from that which is evil and of dedication unto God. It's an act of separation from that which is evil and of dedication unto God. We find this outlined in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, some familiar passages for some of you. Paul says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. He goes on in verse 2 to say, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So we're going to break those two verses down this morning. Notice that before Paul says to present ourselves, he says we present ourselves by the what? The mercies of God. We present ourselves by the mercies of God because it is only by the mercy of God that we are able to present ourselves as a living and holy sacrifice that is acceptable to God. Because scripture says that all have sinned and what? 
we've fallen short. We've fallen short of the glory of God. So the only reason that we are acceptable in the sight of God is through his son, Jesus. We present ourselves to God, which is our spiritual, or depending on the version that you read, your reasonable act of service or of worship. That word present in the Greek has many definitions. But in essence, it means to bring close in fellowship or intimacy. So Paul's saying, present yourselves by the mercies of God as a living and a holy sacrifice, which is acceptable to God. What's he telling us to do? Come near to God. Present yourselves to God. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13, Paul tells us that we have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We have this fellowship with God because of Jesus. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 12 says that Jesus sanctifies us, you and I, through his blood. And so after urging us to present ourselves as a holy sacrifice acceptable unto God, Paul tells us not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. How many of you have ever heard that phrase before that an idle mind is what? It's the devil's playground, isn't it? When you're just have not doing anything, when you're not occupying yourself. And I, and I think that sometimes those subtle messages that float through our minds, those things that we used to see that seemed subtle in the media or on TV, now they're not so subtle, are they? It's, it's the norm. That's the society that we live in today because we live in a world that flaunts sin and is unashamed of it. Nobody cares what they're doing, what they're saying. And so this week uh, we went to see a movie. It was an animated kids movie. And I had looked online. I looked at the ratings. I had looked at, um, you know, the reviews for this movie. I watched the trailer and I thought, well, this looks like a, a cute movie. Looks like, you know, it'd be appropriate for a nine-year-old. And so we're sitting in the theater within the first five minutes of this animated children's movie, there is a lesbian couple that comes out onto the screen. And there we go, my jaw just like drops. And there's just one little comment about it in the entire movie, but it was enough to infiltrate the mind. And that's what Satan does, isn't it? He infiltrates our mind with those subtle messages. And I think that many times we quote these verses from Romans chapter 12, and we quote them separately. We quote verse 1, and then we quote verse 2. But when we put these two verses together as Paul wrote them, it makes so much more sense. We present ourselves to the Lord because he alone can sanctify us and make us holy. And one of the first steps that we have to do to get there is to protect our mind. And so it's only a matter of time before what happens in the mind moves to the heart and eventually to the hands. So the first facet of sanctification that we're going to look at this morning is that we separate ourselves from evil and we dedicate ourselves to God. We do not conform to the pattern of this world. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we will know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. 
That phrase in the Greek, sanctify you entirely, it means to perfect or to complete in all respects. Because God wants to sanctify every part of your life. He wants to sanctify every fiber of your being. The second facet of sanctification that we're going to look at today, as defined in Scripture, as well as our statement of fundamental truths, teaches a life of holiness. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14, Scripture says, Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. So again, we see that something is required on our part. If we're going to separate ourselves from evil and dedicate ourselves to the Lord, we have to not conform to the world and renew our minds. And so now what we see is that we have to pursue peace, right? We present ourselves to the Lord, we take action and renew our mind, then we pursue peace with all men. Not only do we pursue peace with all men, but we pursue sanctification. Because as children of God, we should be in pursuit of a holy life. Sanctification is a process. It's something that is continually working in and through our lives. If you go back to the picture of a diamond, a diamond is derived from carbon. But what happens? It has to be refined, doesn't it? If you're going to wear it, if you're going to display it, it has to be refined. It has to be cut down. It has to be purified so that it can refract the light and give you the purest reflection. And so you and I as children of God, we go through that same refining process. We allow his refiner's fire to purify our lives on a daily basis. It reminds me of the old Sunday school song that says, He's still working on me to what? Make me what I ought to be. I'm not there yet, but thank God He's working on me. I'm not where I used to be, right? He is refining us and purifying us to take us where He wants us to be. Because God knows that we're imperfect beings, right? How many of you say amen? He knows that we make mistakes. He knows that where sin abounds, grace does even more abound. And so he is continually shaping us, molding us, and forming us on his potter's wheel into his image because we were created in his image after his likeness. And our job is to reflect the glory of the Lord. So first, we separate ourselves from evil. We dedicate ourselves to God. Secondly, we live a life in pursuit of holiness. And the third facet is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are able to obey the command, Be ye holy, for I am holy. There was a, a social media meme that I was going to show you this morning. It, it was rather cute. Paul told us to imitate him as he imitates Christ, right? And so there was this picture floating around on social media that had this huge picture of this lion. I mean, just this fierce lion. And on the top of it, it said, you know, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So on top of this fierce lion, it had Christ. And then the next uh, lion says Paul, and it's a picture of, of Simba from the Lion King. And then where it has us, or me, it has this little preschool drawing. Of a, of a lion and Paul's saying imitate me as I imitate Christ our ultimate goal is to look like Jesus right that fierce lion of the tribe of Judah 
And so we want to reflect him. We want to be like him because he is holy. He said, be holy as I am holy. First Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, which happens to be your Bible verse this week. It says, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Who is speaking here? The Lord, right? The Lord is speaking. This statement that's written in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15 and 16 was taken directly from Leviticus chapter 19. The Lord is speaking to his people. He's instructing them how they are to live, how they are to conduct themselves. And he tells them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. We are to be like Jesus. And friends, it is only through the power of the Spirit that we are able to walk through this life in a sanctified manner. Because how many times do you go through life and there's something that pops into your head and it's about ready to come out of your mouth, but you just kind of step away and keep your mouth shut. That's the Holy Spirit putting his hand over your mouth so you don't get yourself in trouble. There are times where you get in your car, you start it up and you start to drive in a direction you know you shouldn't be going and the Holy Spirit has you turn that thing around and come on back home because you know you're not going where you should be going. Jesus told his disciples that he was doing what? He was going to send them a comforter. He was going to send them someone to help them. In the Greek, that word is a paraclete. It means someone who is called to be at your side. Someone who is an advocate. Someone who is an intercessor and a helper. Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit because he knew that there was no way in the world that you and I were going to be able to get through this life on our own. Do you remember in the garden after God created Adam? What was it the Lord said? He said, it ain't good for man to be alone. I've got to create a helper that's suitable for him. God knew it wasn't good for us to try to navigate through this life on our own. We needed a helper. We needed a paraclete. We needed a comforter, an advocate, and an intercessor to come alongside of us. A helper who walks with us and guides us in the pursuit of of holiness. Amen. Amen. The fourth facet is written as follows. It says the sanctification is realized in the believer by recognizing his identification with Christ in his death and resurrection and by the faith reckoning daily upon the fact of that union and by offering every faculty continually to the dominion of the Holy Spirit. That was quite a lot packed in that little statement. So we're going to unpack that statement a little bit this morning. So the first part says that sanctification is realized in the believer by recognizing his identification with Christ in his death and resurrection. And so in Romans chapter 6, as you read through that chapter, the Apostle Paul outlines the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he identifies the fact that we identify that when we have, when we confess that Jesus is Lord, we identify with him. Scripture says in Romans 6 that we're buried with him in baptism and we are raised to walk that new life in Christ. The old man has been crucified 
with Christ. That's the sinful nature that we're born into. But we know that it is because of Jesus' sacrifice on Calvary that death no longer has dominion over us because we find our new life in Christ. We are instruments of righteousness. And so Paul says we identify with Christ in his death and in his resurrection and by the faith reckoning daily upon the fact of that union. So you and I live out our faith by believing that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Amen? In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, and nevertheless I live. It's not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by what? By faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. The latter part of this statement says that we offer every faculty of ourselves to the dominion of the Holy Spirit. So if you and I are going to pursue holiness and we're going to live a sanctified life, then we have to crucify our flesh and our sinful nature. Our fleshly desires have to be nailed to the cross so that we can live out this life in faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can handle anything that comes my way through the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There might be some areas of your life that you feel that surrender is impossible. But friends, I can assure you this morning that with God all things are possible. When you surrender to the Holy Spirit, you will be amazed at how he carries you. First Peter 1 and verse 5 says, Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And as I read that verse this week, I went back and I looked at the original text of, of the original language of where this verse was written. And that phrase, are kept, if you read that in the Greek, it has a few definitions that I thought were pretty interesting. The first means to guard or protect by a military guard. Think about that for a minute. Peter, in 1 Peter 1, 5, it says, who are kept by the power of God. So the writing is saying that we're protected by a military guard. Envision that for a moment. Either to prevent hostile invasion or to keep the inhabitants of a besieged city from flight. That's the picture that's being painted when scripture says we are kept by God. We are surrounded by what appears to be a military force to prevent hostile invasion. Metaphorically, this word means to guard. It means watching to preserve one for the attainment of something. God keeps us to protect us, to purify us, to sanctify us, so that we can reflect his image and his glory. And if you take anything away from this message today, let it be this, that God can and will keep you. God can and will keep you. 
Because on your own, you might choose to walk away. You might choose to go your own path, your own direction. But even in your wanderings, the hand of God is able to protect you. He is able to deliver you. He will keep you. And so maybe this morning you realize that you've wandered away. Or you feel that you've just strayed too far. You feel that you've run too far from a life of holy living. And it seems impossible to come back. I can assure you today that the Father is waiting with open arms to welcome you home. Because scripture says that he leaves the 99 to do what? To find one. To find one. God wants to bring you back into the fold. But you have to have to surrender to him. Maybe this morning you're here or you're watching online and you just are struggling to live that sanctified and holy life. There's a pool of influences in the world that are so strong and you find it difficult to do what is right. All you have to do today is ask him for help. Say, Lord, I can't do it on my own. I need the help of your spirit to guide me and strengthen me. And I promise you that the Holy Spirit will be right there to guide you into all righteousness. As you pursue a life of holiness, he wants to purify your heart. Would you allow his refiner's fire to purify and refine you this morning? I'm going to ask you to stand with me for just a moment today. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe this morning you said, I'm just struggling. I'm struggling with so many thoughts, with so many words, with so many actions and, and lifestyles. And this morning, God, I just need to surrender it to you. I know that you're a consuming fire. And I need you, refiner's fire, to purify my heart today. Scripture assures us that if you confess that with your mouth, believe in your heart that Christ rose from the dead, you will be saved. Maybe today is your day of salvation. Praise the Lord. I've wandered way too far. I need to come home. Wherever you are today, we're going to invite you to pray a prayer with us in just a moment. But maybe you're here this morning and you're just finding it difficult to navigate through life morally what is right and what is wrong. And you just want to slip up your hand and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you into all righteousness, to help you make the right choices, to help you live your life in pursuit of holiness. He is able to sanctify you. He is able to purify you today. You're not too far gone. But if that's you this morning, wherever you are, just slip up your hands and say, Lord, I need your strength. I need your guidance. I need your direction today to help me do what is right. Sometimes doing the right thing is doing the hard thing, the difficult thing. But you can do all things 
through Christ who strengthens you. So, Father, this morning, we thank you that your strength is made perfect in our weakness. We thank you that you are able to purify us as, as Isaiah had that vision of that coal burning and purifying his lips. You are able to put us into your refiner's fire and bring us out as pure gold. And so, Lord, this morning I pray that you would burn away all of those impurities in our life, all of those thoughts, all of the things that we've buried deep within our heart. Would you refine us this morning? Would you guide us and direct us in the path of righteousness for your name's sake? Those of you that are waiting this morning to say, I need to surrender my heart to Jesus. We invite you to pray this prayer. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart and just simply say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I was born into a sinful life. But I believe that you came to bridge that gap for me. I believe that you went to Calvary so that I could be forgiven. So today I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to come into my life. Would you cleanse me? Would you make me whole today? Thank you for your sacrifice. I surrender control to you today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you today for the power of your spirit. I thank you that you are a holy God. And so, Lord, I pray that as we leave this place today, that you would empower us and you would equip us to live this life that you have called us to. That, Lord, each of us would live a life that is above reproach because we are living in pursuit of holiness. We want to be imitators of you. We want to be like those refined Diamonds, we want to reflect your glory in all we say and all we do to the world around us. So would you help us today, we ask, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, and God's people say amen. Amen. And amen. Friends, we love you. We thank God for you. We're here for you. If you want to pick up a brochure on the way out, make sure you do so. Maybe you want to grab one for a friend, but they are out there and they are free for you to take. So be blessed and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to Victor Christian Center's audio podcast. We look forward to connecting with you on our social media or at FCCFMD.com.